Yokoso, welcome to Amakara Japan. Thank you for tuning in with us this week, listeners. Hope you have had a pleasant week. Good weather. Um, getting better and better. I know we're getting better better weather here. Um, we welcome you back to Amakara Japan, where we talk about news headlines. And unfortunately, the only news headline that is pretty much all around Japan and the world is about coronavirus. So we decided to discuss that a little bit more uh, this week on today's podcast. Uh, with me, as always, is Yasushi and Steven. Say hello. Hello. Konnichiwa. And this week, we wanted to kind of discuss, we wanted to discuss why the numbers in Japan are so much lower than what we see kind of in European areas, in the US, in um, Sweden. And yeah, we're just, I mean, it's it's very interesting. I know there's a lot of conspiracy theories of things going on, but we just kind of want to discuss what we all sort of think of why why Japan's numbers do not seem to be re- reflecting kind of some of the worldwide traits that have been happening with this coronavirus, especially with Tokyo being one of the largest, most populated cities in the entire world. Um, Yasushi, what are some of your thoughts about that? Well, um, you know, it's really interesting, right? Uh, People say a lot of different things. Um, So I just wanted to tell you some of the people here talk about. One of them is, you know, um, Japanese people use, you know, always wear masks, you know, even before this coronavirus outbreak. And it's, you know, just all through the year people basically wear masks. And I even wear masks um, in the springtime because I have a hay fever. So people naturally, you know, when this coronavirus um, epidemic started, people were sort of um, prepared. Or another thing I thought was interesting is that, you know, Japanese, in Japan, people take off shoes when they enter their, you know, houses. So they don't bring the, you know, germs or, you know, bacteria is inside. So Japanese houses or just the way of living is pretty, you know, hygienic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I hadn't thought about like the shoes. I mean, I, I've always noticed the, the cleanliness of uh, Japanese homes and such that there's not dishes in the sink left over and, um, you know, dust bunnies in the corner. Everybody that I've ever kind of spoken to or um, been in their homes, it, it is, they, they, it's kind of cleanliness is next to godliness is, you know, that's how they, they show their respects is being um, clean in their homes. And I hadn't even thought of just like the germs that can come on, on uh, the shoes and such, just switching that, that is one less traceable thing into the apartment. I think that there's something in y'all's rice. I think that like the diet that the Japanese people have has created some like antibody that kind of hinders some of the COVID virus. Well, that kind of stands. I saw something earlier today with uh, talking about a lot of the New York cases of those who have died. Uh, I don't remember the percentage. I know it was a high percentage had underlying health issues related to things such as diabetes, obesity, and things of that nature that are, are, typical for a u.s citizen who we don't really take care of our body our diet or anything like that so 
I mean, if you look at that statistically, we are more prone to get it because we're a less healthy group of people than most other countries in the world with what we consume. And then you take Europe, which would be probably just behind America and its type of unhealthiness of greasy foods and fatty foods. This might explain why, you know, Asian cultures, which are typically healthier eating, are doing better because their diet is better. Mm. Yeah. I don't know about, you know, Michelle's conspiracy theory, you know, about <laughs> rice containing antibodies of some sort. But I think, you know, the point um, you, um, Stephen, mentioned, um, you know, we, Japan has the, one of the best healthcare systems in the world, right? Um, the healthcare system is universal. Everybody um, is in the system. So when they go to hospitals, they get automatic discounts, right? Mm. So we don't feel hesitant to go to um, see a doctor when we have a slight fever. Everybody goes to the hospital and gets medicine. So I think that helps a lot. And also, you know, um, eating healthy foods. Um, I think in the last podcast, Michelle, you mentioned there are not many obese people in Japan. So definitely Japanese people are um, having you know, healthy diet and, you know, that's overall makes people healthy. I want to, I kind of want to stir the pot a little bit. Do you think, I mean, as a Japanese person, do you feel like the government is hiding? Okay. How do I want to phrase this? I feel like testing is just very difficult to get across the board worldwide, like trying to get tests is not viable because there aren't enough tests to go around. But of the tests that are available, do you feel like the government is kind of hiding the results for, you know, to save face, to save politics, to be like, hey, we're doing amazing? I mean, I'm trying to stir the pot a little bit, but I'm curious of your thoughts about that. That's a very good question. So I think um, probably many of our listeners have already heard about the testing issues in Japan. The government hasn't conducted, or it's not the government, but Japan has not conducted as many, you know, testings as in other countries. So I'm trying to look at the numbers. As of today, um, April 24th, Japan has conducted only 112,000 tests, which is roughly like 120th or probably 130th of the testings conducted in the US. So, you know, in Japan, when people get um, coronavirus-like symptoms, they cannot take um, tests immediately. They have to seek the doctors and the doctors have to give recommendations to take the test. But even that, um, because the, like the medical hotlines is always busy, it takes days for them to get testing. So there is definitely that, you know, conspiracy or that fear that, you know, uh, because the testing is not widely available, um, there are a lot more cases uh, in reality. And some experts say the actual number is probably 10 times of the reported case. Mm. Do you feel like you are seeing just with some of your friends, um, like sicknesses abounding? I mean, I know... 
I have friends who have been affected by this. They have tested positive, um, you know, and I have friends of friends. So I've, I've, I've seen it in my own sort of circle of friendships. And then I've also just seen other people who have been sick. Granted, it might not be COVID, um, you know, but have you or noticed just an influx of, of friends or friends of friends that aren't feeling well? I mean, just. Yeah, I've. Yeah, definitely. I've started seeing um, a few of my friends um, test positive. Mm. Um, I saw that their posts on on Facebook because uh, we don't see, you know, everyone now, yeah. right? We, all we see is on the social media. Correct. But yeah, and other people say I don't feel well. Maybe I have the coronavirus, but I very much doubt it because you know, I know, you know, why you would. I can understand why you would get scared, but. The symptoms are not like the ones um, similar to coronavirus. It's just like the runny yeah. nose and, you know, the typical cold symptoms. Uh, something that I've just kind of noticed in American media is uh, they, they paint a really awful picture of, like, contracting the COVID, vi- like COVID-19. And not to dissuade, I mean, people have died from this, people are on ventilators from this. I mean, we look at what's happening in Italy associated with these things. Um, But a part of me is just like, where are the stories of like the, okay, I had a runny nose or I had a fever, you know, I did test positive, but like, I just, I feel like Stephen was expressing some percentages to me uh, earlier today. Um, what were they, Stephen, of the percentages of people who have received or who tested positive of COVID-19? So from what I saw, like um, 80% of people who get it are going to be like, all right. 20% will have um, pretty, pretty uncomfortable sensations, feelings or sicknesses. But 5% will be in critical state. And of that 5%, 1% um, would probably die. And so the percentages kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller because you're taking 20%. And then of that 20%, you're taking 5% of that 5%, you're taking 1%. So now you're at a 0.0 percentage of death within the infected. Uh, And I feel like the American media kind of hypes up that 5% and that 1% of like the awful causes. Whereas of that 20%, it is, that's just kind of simple, not simple, you know, everybody's different, but that it's not fatal, if that makes sense. Yeah. It'll be interesting of like, we look back on this podcast, you know, a year from now, two years from now, and we'll either be like, wow, we were way off or wow, we really were able to like curve the, the pandemic a little bit and not overwhelm our society or Maybe there'll be some other random pandemic that happens. No, I actually don't wish that at all. One pandemic a lifetime sounds just enough for me. So, I wanted to mention other interesting um, factors about Japanese society, which makes the numbers officially smaller mm-hmm. than other countries. Um, like some people say, we have a lot of shut-ins, right? People are staying at home even mm-hmm. in normal times, playing, you know, video games or reading um, manga, cartoons. So Japanese people have always practicing 
um, stay at home sort of mm-hmm. you know, customs. So that made, you know, Japanese society immune to the virus. Overall. Yeah, I could say, I mean, outside of Tokyo, I think people are very much to themselves, you know, the bowing culture. I know we've mentioned that before. Um, and I mean, you have close friendships in Japan, but it's nowhere near like people having the massive parties that you would have over at houses. I mean, you don't really have the room in your homes to do that, but I could see that. Yeah. The, the, um, Oh, I forgot the word of it. Um, those people just kind of living with their family or living on their own, that they're not exposing themselves. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's very, very fascinating. I hope it really is just cultural reasons as we've mentioned and not the government trying to hide the numbers and such. Um, but there's, there's something to be said about the healthy living and the healthy lifestyle and the diet of rice. I'm still going to stick by the rice, the antibodies of the rice. (laughs) I have a Mm -hmm. question. So do you guys wear shoes inside? Uh, Most of the time people don't really do it. Like they'll take their shoes off, but I mean, it's not like you will, like if you're just like walking through your house real quick, you'll get some, you'll just keep them on and go. So I think it depends on the household. I grew up in a household where we would all like our shoes would be in our closets in our room and we'd put them on and then walk around the house. And then when we get home, we'd walk around the house until we got into our bedrooms and then take off our shoes there. So it wasn't like the racks, Mm. like the, the gink on like once you open the door and leave your shoes there. But I also know other people who, yep, you take your shoes off when you get into the house. They don't want to track mud on the carpet or, um, on the floors. So I think it's it's very different depending on the household that you grow up in. So I see. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think it yeah. It's it's because now people doctors are recommending to take off not just your shoes, but your coats and you know bags it as you walk the through the door. When you, when well you I I have heard of some people, I mean I understand doctors doing this, but I have heard of some people going to the extreme of like when they come into the house after like going out to work, if they're part of these uh, essential jobs, um, when they come back into the house, they just completely disrobe. They throw their clothes in their dirty laundry basket and take a shower like every day. You know, I don't, that's to me a little bit of extreme, not for doctors, people who are kind of on the front lines of this pandemic, but other people. um, Yeah. I, I have a few friends that that's what they do. And if that's what makes them, comfortable and feel safe more power to them um but i haven't done that yet (laughs) i think anybody to to stay sane to keep calm do whatever means and methods you deem necessary yeah another thing perhaps we forgot to mention um is the bcz oh yes uh yeah pulmonary um what is it? Tuberculosis. Um, it is a very common vaccination um, in many many countries around the world, but U.S. and Italy, Netherlands, some of those countries um, highly affected by the coronavirus. The testing is not universally available, so some experts are starting to think maybe that is um, related to how badly, you know, um, some some countries are. Uh, affected by the virus what what your guys opinion because u.s is not 
um, the BCG vaccinations is not available. I, at least it's not mandatory in your country. Well, you you'd have to go back and forth on that one a bit. And I'd have to research because I honestly don't know much about the tuberculosis test. So my question in that would be if the country, like the people who in these Asian countries who've had these tests or had these uh, vaccines put in them already, why are they still getting it as well as other people? Like, is it is that just like a, a another defense thing that and they already had other health issues and that just helped uh, throw the whole thing down like here in the U.S. like if we had that would it be less because it's one more wall of defense for us to to fight it but like I said since I don't know much about how the uh, vaccine works or what it's specifically for besides tuberculosis of course um, I wouldn't really be able to comment on on its efficacy in preventing the uh the spread in the more modern worlds of uh europe and here in the u.s yeah i mean we don't know much about it either right um, there's no scientific evidence and a lot of the doc- doctors are still s- skeptical about it but just for the safety you know the precaution some countries like australia and netherlands they started um vaccinating uh, medical professionals who are in the front lines. Um, so it could be uh, one of the factors. And the reason why some Japanese people are, or some people in, uh, in countries, the BCG vaccination is widely available um, and they still, get the, they still get infected with coronaviruses because um, maybe the vaccination doesn't last for long. Maybe it lasts for like 10 years. And that's why a lot of young people don't get it. But, you know, after like 30, 30, 40s, um, they get uh, infected with the virus. Or, or maybe it depends on the individual. Some individuals develop strong immune system while others not. I mean, no vaccination is 100% perfect, right? But if it's like 70% or 80% perfect, um, it makes sense to have the vaccination. So maybe those are some of the factors. Uh, I think I think it's yet. too soon to tell. I think it's interesting of the creativity people are are seeing and and trying to find links to to help solve this problem. Um, and hopefully, it'll be nice if that that is a, a way to mitigate and against COVID nineteen or at least alleviate some of the symptoms or protect people create antibodies in their in their system. So. It's interesting to see the the where the medical field is is going in trying to not only find the vaccine but also um, find solutions that may not originally seem like kind of out of left field. So, yeah. well, and this is probably something that's going to be studied for years and years before they actually can conclusively say what's happening and how it happened, what happened, and what we could have done. I mean, hindsight will be 2020 yeah. at that point. So it'll be fascinating to see in five, 10 years where things are like. <sighs> yep. Anyway, um, hopefully, listeners, you've enjoyed this and kind of had some thoughtful, thoughtful thoughts, <laughs> have uh, kind of had some thought-provoking ideas of 
reasons why things are happening the way they are. I know this has all been a difficult and trying time for us all. Um, and it's all that everybody's talking about, including Amakata Japan. But we do appreciate you tuning in and, and listening with us um, as we discuss some of these things that are affecting our modern day life. Uh, I want to thank Stephen and Yasushi for um, joining me and expressing their very insightful comments and um, commentaries about everything um, going on with Japan and the lack of numbers. And thank you, listeners, for taking the time to join us. I uh, hope you turn in on to our next podcast. Hopefully there will be some other news. I doubt it, but we shall see what the next podcast will bring. Thank you, Stephen and Yasushi, and thank you, listeners. And we will talk on the next podcast. Ja, matane. Kyotsukete. Sayonara. Mm-hmm.